0: Well, good morning. How is everybody doing this morning? Good, 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 good. I promise, uh, I promise I'm going to preach. I'm not just going to get up here and give jokes. As much as I'd like to. Thank you, Michael. Uh, thank you guys for uh, having me. Thank you for the pastoral staff for having me. Pastor Kirk, Pastor David, Pastor Matt. Uh, as you guys know, uh, pastor Kirk and Pastor Shelby, Miss Shelby, are still away. Um, you know, they uh, they came uh, to Trinity. I want to say, I want to be like three or four years uh, before they transitioned into that senior pastor role, right? So uh, they went through that transition process, and then really just a couple years in, boom, uh, we had a global pandemic, a global pandemic, uh, which, as all of you know, was uh, was a struggle for everybody. Right? And especially for those in leadership, especially for the church, right? The church is closed. Well, how do you do that? Do you get a camera? What do you do? When do you open? Uh, and all this, all this stuff, right? We had, we had arrows on the ground. My gosh. Right? So, so poor Kirk had to become a uh, public health director, too. Uh, so to say, um, to say that uh, I think they deserve uh, a little mini-sabbatical a few weeks off this summer, uh, if, Kirk, you're watching... There you go, buddy, you owe me the 20 bucks. <laughs> okay. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. It's 40 bucks he owes me, it's 30. Uh for those, of you who don't <laughs> for those of you who don't know me, my name is Mark Bray. Uh, I came to Trinity uh, roughly, uh, what, 40 almost, 36, 37 years ago. I think it was 1983. Uh, my parents can nod, yes. Uh, my father. Pastor Ray and my mother, Miss Trish, uh, were here at Trinity for 35 years. Yep. Yep. Uh, And and for those of you who don't know, actually, uh, I grew up, uh, obviously, in the church, right? Of course, I grew up in the church. Uh, But I actually grew up here, literally, where I'm standing. So if you don't know this, uh, the parsonage used to sit really right here. Uh, where I'm standing. They moved it up the hill uh, to make way for this sanctuary. That tree, literally right there, I used to climb that tree as a kid. R- literally, that tree right there. Uh, and the house stood I mean here, in this spot. Uh, so I really truly grew up in the church. Now, uh, I have three older brothers, uh, four boys. Uh, we played in the uh, the church parking lot a lot. I learned how to drive a car in the church parking lot. Just admitting that to my parents now. Um, <laughs> And we may or may not have broken some stained glass windows along the way, but there's no video to prove any of that. There's no video to prove any of that. So, okay, here's the deal. Uh, I'm going to continue our study in the book of Ephesians. Uh, We started on Father's Day, and we're going through the book of Ephesians this summer. Uh, It's about 12 Sundays, roughly, uh, as we go through that. Last week, uh, Pastor David, he did the second half of chapter 3. Uh, That's going to put me as the first half of chapter 4. This is the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. Uh, Paul is writing this letter uh, as he is imprisoned, right? He is writing this letter as he is imprisoned, uh, which I think is just so amazing. Because as I've been reading this this week, it's such a letter of encouragement, right? It's such a letter of encouragement, and it's unbelievable to think that he is literally uh, imprisoned as he's writing this. And the, le- the whole thing, read it. Read it this summer, right? You think, oh my gosh, I read it. You know, we're, we're, we're six weeks in here. Read it again. Uh, it, it is an amazing book. It's just so full of encouragement. Uh, so, so I'm going to continue that. And again, uh, we'll get through the whole book this summer. But it really is a, a great book. Uh, as Paul is writing that there. Now, uh, you also may have noticed uh, these last few weeks, what we do is we've, we've been having somebody come up uh, and read the scripture verse, uh, and read the scripture verse. So uh, I love that. I don't know, do you guys listen to Tim Keller at all? Right? Uh, Tim Keller's he's so big on this. He has a parishioner, a layperson, whatever term you want to use, uh, come and read the scripture. And since I get the microphone so I can do anything I want today... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to have my son, Evan, come up and read the scripture for us. Now, I do just want to say before he begins, uh, I, I use the NLT, so that's the translation he's going to be reading from.
1: Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people and to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such a unity in our faith and the knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love.
0: Yes. So as I've spent time reading uh, this, this passage uh, in the book of Ephesians, right, as I, I've tried to sort of go back, go forward, get, get the context... I think uh, as I read it, I really see three points, right? So three points. One, we are a unified people in the church. We are a unified people. Two, we are a blessed people. And number three, we are a growing people. We are a unified people, a blessed people, and a growing people. Uh, Those are the three things that sort of stick out to me as I read those uh, verses and that passage in Ephesians. Now, I will, I will say, um, I really feel like the biggest, uh, the biggest theme, the crux of it, is that unified people peace. That will be our first point. Uh, it's not the only point, but I feel like it is the crux of it. And then the blessed people and the growing people, I really feel like kind of feed up uh, into that point. So I just want to make that note. Uh, before I go forward into chapter 4, I'd actually like to start real fast to go backward uh, at the end of chapter 3 as a sort of setup, right? So uh, last week, Pastor David came uh, and shared with us uh, chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. Uh, And the language that Paul uses in these verses, I feel like is so inspiring, so life-giving, so encouraging. Uh, Honestly, I really didn't feel like I could start without going back uh, and, and kind of taking that in again. So, so here you go, right? I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or even imagine glory to him in the church in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever right I mean come on Amen. this this is words of encouragement these verses literally say that from the creator of the universe's unlimited resources he will empower you with inner strength so that you can experience the love of Christ though it's too great it's too great to even fully understand right Paul's telling us that we can be filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. Right? He's saying we can walk in on sunshine. I'm walking on sunshine. Whoa! How is that, Dad? Is that, is that the, the Pastor Ray singing? I'm walking on sunshine. Right? The idea here, seriously, is to take that word. Take that encouragement. I love how last week Pastor David talked about... Um, you know, it's, it's like if God deposited $50 million into your bank account, right? Imagine if today, right, I pulled an Oprah. Uh, everybody gets $50 million, right? Everybody's heart's racing right now. You're starting to think about what you would do with 50 million. Real quick, uh, as, a, as a fast aside, uh, I just, I do want to say, uh, I don't, did, did somebody win the billion dollar lottery thing? Is that, over? somebody did? Okay, so somebody won the billion dollars. Can I just say one thing real fast? Like, you know, you guys, you guys can make your own decisions. Uh, a billion dollars is not a good thing. Okay, zero to a billion is not, that's, that's a curse, okay? That's, you guys gotta stay away from that kind of action. But, um, That idea, sorry, that idea that David's uh, really kind of saying is, what good would it do if you had that deposit, but then you didn't go and spend it, right? And and that's the idea here. I think that that idea that we would take that encouragement, that sunshine that we're walking on, uh, that really is of priceless value. $50 million, a $1 billion, it's all going to turn to dust in the end it's all going to be dust. It's all gone. Right? That stuff is, is, is meaningless. I love uh, the, the Jewish brothers and sisters have a saying that a shroud has no pockets. I love that saying. A shroud has no pockets. Right? But we have the life, the spirit of Christ in us. Right? And that is something that we can hold on to. So, Chapter 3, got it? We went just back. That's how chapter 3 ends, be encouraged. In a few of the translations, uh, chapter 4, including the NLT, uh, which is the one that Evan read from and the one that I used this week, the first word that Paul says is, Therefore, 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 since you have this great deposit, since you have this great encouragement, he calls us, his church, to be the body to be a unified people. Verses 1 through 6 call us to live a life worthy of the calling of a unified church, to take the sunshine and use it to build up his kingdom through one another, not to be hoarded, not to be clutched, right? With open hands and an open heart, we freely give. Verses 2 through 6, he says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. This type of unity, this type of language, this idea, is completely foreign to the world that we live in. For all intents and purposes, that level of unity and unification that can and should and does exist in the church is essentially an impossible idea to the world, truly. Uh, It's not how the world lives, and it's certainly... (laughs) It is certainly right now not how our society lives, right? And we as the church are called to be different. Very, very different, right? We're called to be one in Christ, unified through patience with each other, long-suffering with one another, bound together with peace. Not anger, not malice, not frustration, right? But peace. And we don't do that through just trying really hard. That's not the idea here. It's not about just try harder. Man, if I I really just tried to love David, I'd be able to love him, right? (laughs) I love David. But that's that's not what he's calling us to, right? He's calling us to admit our poverty of spirit and accept his Holy Spirit right? That's how unification can come. Not through trying real, real hard. It's actually through admitting your poverty, right? Letting go and letting his spirit come into our lives and change us from the inside out, right? We start on the inside. We start here in our heart and we let that change then move us forward to be unified with one another. That's where we got to start. Right? That's where we have to start, just so you know. We got to get it right in here. This is family. Like I said, right, I grew up here, right? This is the house. This is the family. We are in the living room together. This is where it has to, this has to begin. If we want to go out and be his hands, and be his feet, right, we want to go out into the world and make that change, we have to do it uh, first. And when we are unified, we can go and love our neighbors as ourselves, Right? The unified church is the hope of the world. That's the hope, folks. No man, no woman, no political party, no ideology is going to get us out of this mess. Right? And I mean the big mess, the big proverbial mess. I'm not talking about now. and right? I'm talking about the huge mess that we are all in together. Uh, we, as the church, uh, with his spirit, must look different from the world and we are the ones who can do that right and so so what what would that look like right so let's take the sort of logical next step okay so we're sort of Paul gives us the encouragement then we take it in we unify inside of the church so then that we can go out right so then then we can go out to the world we're not just keeping the pocket full of pocket full of sunshine for ourselves Uh, and I know what some of you may be thinking right Well, the division in our culture, it's too great now, too much. Nobody's seen anything like this before. Surely the world's never been this angry or divided at one another. That's not true. That's not true. Uh, In his book, The Rise of Christianity, Rodney Stark discusses the exponential nature of growth of Christianity, specifically uh, during the second and third centuries, which was really the tail end of the Roman Empire, right? The Tail end of the Roman Empire. Does this sound familiar to anybody, right? Uh, and not, not uh, only that, but they actually lived through two, two great pandemics. You ready for this? In 165 AD, 165 AD, and then again in 251, so not even 100 years later, there were two pandemics which ripped through the Roman Empire each time killing a third of the population. A third of the population. So, just if you're curious what that looks like as today, that would have been a hundred million people dead within a couple of years. And this is what Rodney Stark wrote about that time and about the, again, the exponential rise of Christianity, how the church handled that. And I quote. Christians revitalized life in Greco-Roman cities by providing new norms and new kinds of social relationships able to cope with the many urgent urban problems. To cities filled with homeless, impoverished, and strangers, Christians offered an immediate basis for attachment. To cities filled with orphans and widows, christians provided a new and expanded sense of family to cities torn by violent ethnic strife christians offered a new basis for social solidarity and to the cities faced with epidemic fires earthquakes christians offered effective nursing services thus the early Christians ministered as a transformative movement that arose in response to the misery, chaos, fear, and brutality of the Roman Empire. That we, today, would be that transformative power. Do not look outside of these walls for help. Help comes from within. We are the hope. Quick personal illustration, okay? Quick personal illustration. Let me, let me try to bring it home even, even more. Uh, I'm the youngest of four boys. I have three older brothers. Uh, yes, I was tormented, beat up uh, growing up, yes. Uh, one of the uh, pastimes was, uh, you know, if we got like a new refrigerator, a new dishwasher or something, uh, they would put, uh, we'd put like pillows and blankets. And the- remember those big boxes, right? Like you buy a new dishwasher, came in a big box. We'd put pillows and blankets in the box. We'd put me in the box. And then we would kick the box down the stairs. (laughs) You guys allowed this. You guys, uh. (laughs) Growing up in this uh, environment, I learned pretty quickly if I wanted to be heard, I had to speak up, right? I had to speak up. Sharing toys, sharing the remote, having an essay in what we had for dinner, uh, I had to be loud, and as we got older and even into adulthood, we carried this wonderful tradition with us. Uh, when we were uh, adults, and some of us had fiancés or wives, some of us had uh, even kids, my parents graciously opened their home on Thursday nights. We would have Thursday night dinner together as a family. Um, my poor wife, Leanne, she came from a family of two girls, um, both very uh, gracious kind and loving women, uh, probably a little quieter than the Ray boys were. I brought her to the table for dinner on one of those Thursday nights, and we decided uh, if we wanted to be heard, you had to talk louder and louder and louder. Literally, our idea was, you're not listening to what I'm saying. I see, I'm making sense. You just don't hear me. So, I just need to scream a little louder. And if the screaming doesn't work, you clearly don't think I'm passionate. So, I'll just get angry. <laughs> then you'll understand my point of view. Right? <laughs> that is, to, that, I mean, this is what we do in the world. We literally think oh, you, you're just not hearing me. Let me get louder. And when when I'm as loud as I can be, you just don't get it. So let me get angry so you can see my passion. That's really going to drive you to my point of view. Right? That is not who we are in the church. We must be a unified people. We must let our poverty of spirit out, let his spirit in, uh, and move forth in love. And move forth in love. Okay. That is the first point. The second point is we are a blessed people. Verses 7 through 12. However, he has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. That's Psalm 68, verse 18. Psalm 68, verse 18. Notice that it said, he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. That's us. These are the gifts he gave to us. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Unity doesn't sound easy, and it's not. Even even inside the church, In verse 7, Paul says he has given us a special gift. And this word gift in the Greek is actually uh, charis. C-H-A-R-I-S. Charis. Which really is their word for grace. Yes, I tried to use some Greek, Pastor David. It's (laughs) It's where we get the word charity from. We are a blessed people who have been given the grace To build one another up in the church. That we may be prepared, strengthened, and empowered to serve the way Christ served. So God just doesn't say, be unified. He actually gives us the tools and the ability to do that. He gives us the chorus, the grace, to be unified. And and when I was reading this, I really thought, um, and I guess... When you have a special verse in the Bible, you have a special spot in the Bible that you sort of keep coming back to, it's amazing how many different ways you can see it manifest or used in your life, right? If you have a a special psalm that you love or you have a special verse that you love, it's unbelievable how many sort of angles you can come at it from. And so for me, when I read that and I thought of that idea about that gift and that grace, I thought about... um, Philippians 2, 5 through 8, and these verses in my life have been so transformative, I gotta say. It says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. He didn't think of equality of God with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Talk about grace. Talk about somebody who was able to take themselves out and allow themselves to be used like that. We are a blessed people, we have been given gifts. We don't take them and keep them for ourselves. In verses 11 and 12, Paul talks about how Christ gives the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, these men and women who build up the church, who equip us, the body, to do his work. He doesn't just give each one of us a special gifts; He actually gives us leaders to help us utilize our special gifts. Right? Teresa Larkin is a prayer warrior. Right? She can lead and, and, and show us how to be a better prayer warrior. Right? That's her gift. She's using it to lead us. Right, Leanne is unbelievable with kids. She is the Pied Piper of children. <laughs> I don't know how she does it. If someone can herd cats, Leanne can. Right? She uses those gifts and gives them. Mike and Rita with their fellowship, right? With their hospitality. All the people in here have a gift. Every single one of us has something to offer that no one else has that level of ability. Everybody in here is Michael Jordan. Everyone in here is Tiger Woods. Everyone in here is Tom Brady. And instead of hitting a stupid golf ball, shooting a stupid basketball. You have that level of talent that none of us have because you are made unique and we need your gift if we're gonna do this, right? I I am blessed by the pastors that this church has had and does have today. We we are a blessed people, truly. Right? They help us to grow in Christ, to love each other, to serve other, to go out into the community. Right? And listen to this language. Right? So you have an idea of what's actually possible. Verse 13. <clears throat> so Ephesians verse uh, 4, chapter 4, verse 13. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. What? Measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ? 1.21 gigawatts? What? Thank you. I was so hoping somebody was going to pick that up. Right? That's what's possible. We, his body, are the hope of the world. I said it before, I'll say it again. First Peter 2.9, uh, the King James Version. <laughs> Old school, baby. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you mo- might proclaim the praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. We are talking life horsepower. You have it through his spirit. There is nothing we cannot do as a unified people. He doesn't call you just to be nice, right? It's good. You should stop in traffic. You should let people go. You shouldn't want to run them off the road when they cut you off. And trust me, I get it. Okay? He doesn't call you to just hold the door for somebody he calls you to break down the walls for them okay we are a blessed people the final point <clears throat> we're a growing people i can tell you from personal experience no no jokes this is serious right i can tell you from my personal experience that god refuses to leave you where you are if you are seeking him he refuses that's not how he operates In times in my life, (laughs) in times in my life when I have have truly, earnestly uh, sought God, in in all honesty, when I really have said, you know what, God, Uh, I I need you, I I need help, I'm in trouble, I'm stuck, whatever it is, uh, and, and I have earnestly sought him, he is quick to turn his face toward me. He does not leave me alone. Right? I, I always imagine him saying, what, what was that? You, you want to talk now? You, you, okay, you're interested in me? You actually want to see what's possible here? Okay, good. Hold on, right? And off we go. That's who God is, I'm telling you. That's how he has dealt with me. Um, he's listening, always. He's waiting for us to turn to him. I feel like when I have looked to him for guidance and growth, he has always been so quick to act, right? And we're going to talk about what spurs that growth and what that looks like. So verses 14 through 16, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching we won't be influenced when we try to trick uh, when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of His body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly, as each part—that's you—as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing full of love. As we, his church, remain a unified, blessed people, we can be sure that he will continue to grow and mature us. A life of Christ is never stationary or stagnant, never. God moves in our lives daily that we may grow in understanding of him. Going back to the book of Philippians, uh, in chapter 3, verses 12 through 15, Paul says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all, here it is, who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. He will. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. We see here again that Paul is talking about a life where we're moving forward, right? Pressing on to a goal which Christ has for us. We should always be a growing people. And this is where the church plays such an amazing part. In verse 16, like I had said to you a few minutes ago, there's each of us has that gift has a gift. He he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other's parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing full of love. We are here to help each other grow. This is like practice. Right? Practice? Y'all talking about practice? Yes! This is practice. Right? This is where those things happen. Look, Look... I love, I love marriage. I absolutely do. I love being married to my wife. God was uh, very, very gracious in giving me Leanne. He really was. Uh, but but if you're, even if you're not married, right, you have a family, right? Like I, If you are married, start with one. You want to learn how to love? Start with one person. Can you do that? And then maybe if you can get past that one, you've got a family, you've got three, four, maybe five, five, there's five, okay? Let's, let's get to five. How many people are in this room? 180, 190? Like, let's try to get to that, right? Let's, this is the practice ground. This is where we will grow and mature, right? This is where we stay unified. We are blessed. We have the gifts. We have the power. We can go out and change the world. Let me tell you something. I, I totally appreciate that... Um, you know, elections feel big or, or, or leadership in our, in our society feels big. It, it is big, right? Like they, make certain, they make decisions that affect all of us. I'm not trying to minimize that. But one person with the spirit of Christ in them has way more say in what happens in this world than any dopey leader in our society. Okay? With all due respect... We are blessed, right? We really are, and and we have nothing to fear. We can help each other, help one another grow, and go out. A couple of things uh, that really stick out to me here uh, as I finish. Um, I know everyone loves verse 15. They really do. We speak the truth in love, right? I just want to make a quick point about this. Uh, This portion of verse 15 is not a permission slip, to point out other people's faults without consequence. I have to tell you, Jack, Jesus loves you and I love you. Mm-hmm. I do. But you're a terrible parent and I can't stand your kids. <laughs> that is not the idea here, folks. No. We will speak the truth. Don't we love to speak the truth about other people? In love i love you so much man i can't stand you (laughs) no this is not the idea in these verses paul is talking about the protection of truth and that we his church make sure we are speaking the truth to one another in love so that we can all grow together right so that we can all grow together jack your kids are such an amazing gift from god and I know he gave them to you for a special purpose. And I just pray that they would come to know him through your great example, okay? That's, I think, the idea of speaking truth in love. <laughs> One other point uh, about growth. Uh, gosh, don't we love to tell people what to do? Um, as I'm up here preaching, right? Yeah, yep, I get it. Um, don't expect it to be easy. Don't expect growth to be easy. One of my favorite books uh, is The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. Uh, It's a short novel, it really is, about a man who takes a bus ride to heaven and encounters both inhabitants and visitors there. That's not a great synopsis, but um, it's really an allegory. uh, And and it's a great book. I, I really, I can't recommend it enough. Um, I, I've probably read it no less than 10 times. It, it has made a huge difference in my life. At one point in the book, the main character uh, meets George MacDonald in, in heaven. So George MacDonald is a 19th century Scottish minister and writer. He was a real person, uh, and, and C.S. Lewis had some affinity toward him, so he, he included him in the book. And they're talking about the lost and the saved, Because as they're here, and the idea is they're almost almost at the outskirts of heaven, right? Uh, He said, at least not deep heaven. Uh, So so people are sort of making some level of a choice there almost. Uh, So they they get into this discussion about the lost and the saved. Uh, And MacDonald tells the main character about the saved. He says, and I quote, What happens to the saved when they look back on life? is best described as the opposite of a mirage. What seemed when they entered it to be the veil of misery turns out when they look back to have been a well. And where present experience saw only salt deserts, memory truthfully records that the pools were full of water. Growth can be and almost certainly will be tough. It's going to be difficult. I'm here to tell you that. But fear not, he is with you. And the truth is, if you keep him in front of you, that through the deserts in your life, you will one day look back and see an oasis. I want to finish at the beginning The first verse in chapter 4. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Thank you again for letting me share with you this morning. Heavenly Father, uh, we just... We give you our lives, Lord. We give you our days. We give you our years, Lord Jesus. Uh, And we just pray, God, that you would take them and use them. I pray for each person in this room, that we would be unified in your spirit, that we know and would recognize we are a blessed people, that we would grow and mature so that we can go out and be your hands and feet in this world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.